Praise God. If you're ready for some word today, get your Bibles or your Bible apps out and go with me to the book of Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I started a new series last week, and it is called We Are Life Church. Say it out loud with me. Say, We Are Life Church. Sounds like it should be said with a little bit of rhythm. <laughs> Reminds me of an old movie. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1. Uh, this series is basically about the DNA of life church. Okay? Every church has its similarities. Every church has its unique uh, aspects. We are both the same as other churches and we are different at the same time. And uh, well, I want to talk to you about how, how we think um, how we tick, what makes us tick, and, and then, of course, how we can move together. That would be the, 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 the end desire is that we're all going the same way at the same time. We're thinking the same way. We have the same purpose of, of being and so forth. And so if we can all move in the same direction together, we can do things in a much more efficient way, much faster. We can get more accomplished. It'll just, it's just more fun. Yeah, you ever been in a, uh, in, a, in a canoe or something and one person is rowing one way and the other person's rowing the other way? I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> We're trying to go across the lake, and, uh, and they're, they're, they're doing something that's not helping. And, uh, and those who, you know, row as a sport, you know, they have that person in, in, in the back called the coxswain, right? Any coxswainers in the house today? <laughs> and, uh, and, and they're back there steering and giving instructions and telling everyone when to row and, and why. Because if everybody's in sync and doing things together, they go much, much faster, right? And that's our desire. We want to go faster. Yeah. I don't know if that's just the man in me. Uh, <laughs> come on, guys. Did you, some of you like to go fast? I mean, God is light. How fast does light go? <laughs> friend of mine said to me recently, he said, my wife doesn't really like, like the way I drive. Uh, and I, I <laughs> let me apologize up front for what I'm about to say. <laughs> I said, well, you could say to her, you did marry a man. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm categorizing everyone that way, but <laughs> amen. <laughs> so, whether we're focusing on, uh, uh, on the aspects of, our, of this house that are the same as all churches across the globe, or the parts in which we are different, um, it would be important that we are aware of what they are, okay? If we're aware of them, then we can all row together, so to speak. And, and so, the first part of this series, meaning last week and this week, I'm sharing with you about our values. We have worked for a long time and come up with and landed on, I say come up with, it really reduced to uh, our values to seven specific areas that we say these are going to be our driving forces and how we make decisions and what identifies um, who we are. And so our values are these. I gave you three of them last week, and I'm going to giddy up so we can do four more today. I'm hitting just the high points. They can each be a series by themselves, but I'm trying not to do that. In this series, I'm trying to be more concise. So I, I, we said last week that we have, have reverence for holy things. We reverence the holy and then, uh, and then I said, we value being spirit-filled and spirit-led. 
And then also, uh, we want to be steadfast in faith. Okay, of course, if you missed that message, go online and get it and get caught up. Today, I'm going to give you the next four. All right, everybody in faith with me? Believe in God for a miracle that I can... Accurately, adequately, yet not over the top and not keep you here all day. Talk about four things, all right? Four more values. Number four is excellence. We value excellence. We are committed to continuous improvement. We recognize that nothing we do on a personal level or on a church-wide level is at the highest possible point. We see that there's always uh, a possibility of us doing things better. I think one of, uh, one of the, the, the faults in the church world is churches get in a rut and they may start a particular church or program or ministry, and they start it with a lot of intention and prayer and thought, and they want to do it well, and it starts at a really good level, but then 15 years later, they're still doing it the exact same way, okay? And it's not about changing what the Lord told you to do, but it is about saying, okay, can we do that in a better way? Can we be more effective? Are there better ideas? And, uh, and we don't want to be that church where everything, I mean, some things, you go back 10 years, they're going to be the same. But then there are other parts that really shouldn't be the same. They should be changing. They should be improving. And if they're not improving, I'm asking the question, are we even trying? Are we even giving thought? Or are we just in neutral? We're just, are we just coasting until Jesus comes? Okay. I don't, we don't want to be that kind of church. We want to do things with excellence. And so excellence, you know, is the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. I contrast that with mediocrity, all right, or just being um, average. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't seek to just be acceptable, but not very good. Uh, you think about if someone were called a mediocre person, we would say, and that sounds kind of rude, but uh, we would say they're not very good at anything. And I don't believe that's God's plan for any of our lives, that we would, that we would just not be very good at anything. Everyone can be good at something and do it at a high level. And if you have the mentality of, I want to continuously improve in my life. I want to do what I do, as long as I'm doing the right thing, but I want to do it better. And I want to do it at a higher level than you can, because there's always room for improvement. And so we seek to excel at what we do. And uh, we believe that when we do things at a high level, it honors God. It brings glory. I mean, we can honor God through worship, we can honor God through our songs. We can honor God through our, our obedience. But I believe we can also honor God in this way. When he gives us something to do, we say, I want to do that in the right way. I want to do that in the best way I know how to do it and make it the way it ought to be. Okay, Philippians 1. Did you find that? Notice with me in verse 9. Paul writing he, the, here, he says, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. So that there's the language there, approve the things that are excellent. Okay, listen to this from the Amplified uh, Classic Bible, verse 10. So that you may surely learn to sense what is vital 
and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best and distinguishing the moral difference so that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless, so that with hearts sincere and certain and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ not stumbling nor causing others to stumble. And so one of our desires then would be this discernment, this recognition. I can look at something and identify this is of high value. This is of top importance. This is excellent, whereas something else, that needs attention. That needs improvement, okay? And and being able to see that, this was Paul's prayer for the church in Philippi. Now, we know God is an excellent God. He's not cutting corners, right? There are no weeds growing in his kitchen. (laughs) Amen. I say that because uh, years ago, I was at a restaurant at a burger place uh, here in town, and and while sitting there eating our burger, I looked over, you know, kind of in the corner by the, the soda machine and, and just down there in the corner on the floor, there was a weed growing out. <laughs> I thought, ee, I wonder if that's the lettuce. <laughs> anyway, it didn't make me feel warm and fuzzy about my food. Uh, I thought they could make an improvement there and it will turn less people off. Uh, I don't want to be that way. And, but we're called to imitate God. And if God is excellent, if he does things well, then we should seek to follow him in that characteristic. And so we are always looking for ways to do what we do better. All right. I think that's good uh, wisdom for people on their jobs, in their businesses and various things. Do what you do. But if you're always thinking how I can do this better than I used to do it, you're the kind of person who gets promoted. You're the kind of person who gets more opportunities. It's the one who's just coasting and they just accept everything as being kind of mediocre. They don't really go far in life. All right. I don't want to do, I don't want to do that with God's house. I don't want to do that with God's calling on my life. I'm just coasting. Well, it's good enough, isn't it? This is the Lord we're talking about here. They're no good enough. Amen. And so from, for, at our church, we recognize we're doing, we're doing pretty good, I think, it's in some areas. But for us to take our eye off of them and just leave them alone, we, we would lack this, this value of excellence. And so we're always examining our spiritual uh, practices. We're not ch- ever changing the word. God's word never changes. Yeah. No amendments to this word. Uh, but, but, but we're examining our practices, our systems, our structures. We're looking at our facilities and, say, and, and, and trying, to, to, trying to make them better on a continual basis. The Lord directed us to do certain things. You could say that for your life. We can say that for our church. We're not changing the direction of the Lord or the directives from God. But we are asking, how can we do what he led us to do the best way possible? Are we doing that? Are we, is this the smartest way to approach this? Okay. Uh, it's, again, it's not just what we do, but how we do it. There was a guy in the Old Testament uh, named Daniel. Ever heard of Daniel? Had the night with the lions and stuff. And Amen. Maybe that's where they got that name for that hotel, the Red Lion. I don't know. 
but he slept with the lions and you know that story. That's, that's Daniel, okay? And Daniel has, there's a book called Daniel in the Old Testament. Uh, one of the things that, one of the verses about him that stands out to me, has always stood out to me, was chapter 6 and verse 3, which reads, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. All right. Are, is, is anyone seeking to set, think, or are they at least thinking about you when they're needing someone to be in charge, <laughs> needing someone to have a high position? Well, Daniel was thought about. We need someone to oversee the whole country. Who should, we, who should we put there? And Daniel came to mind. Why did Daniel come to mind? Because of his excellent spirit. Yeah. It's been said there's always plenty of room at the top. Most people are fighting for the low stuff. <laughs> they're, they're fighting for position and they're all down there at the bottom. But if we value, if we have this value of excellence like our God does, then we get promoted. We, astinct, we uh, distinguish ourselves above. When it comes to our church, uh, I want to distinguish ourselves above. You know, you might, you might think, are we trying to be better than the other churches? That, that is not our focus. Uh, we want to be better than ourselves. Okay? We want them to be better too because we're in the kingdom of God. We're not in competition with them. We want them to be good, to be awesome, better than they are, other churches, because they're our family. But our focus is, okay, who are we? How are we doing? Let's be better than us. All right? Not seeking to, to outdo somebody else. Uh, and I think if we have that value, and we do, then God can take us further. He can use us more. Amen. I learned many years ago uh, these little statements from uh, Keith Moore. He would say things like this, almost is too close. If it's not quite, it's not right. Make do, won't do. If it might suffice, don't think twice. And that kind of attitude has always kind of stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah, if it, we can do that, but we can do it better, then we, we ought to do it better. We ought to find the best way to do it instead of cutting corners, just getting by, just doing enough to make it. Amen? Amen. I trust, and I, I pray that that's a value in your own life, that you will approach your family, your, your possessions. You will approach your job. You will approach your finances, everything that you put your hand to. And then when you come in, and you come in here and we do ministry, we do life, and we worship God together, that we have that same attitude. Let's do this. Let's do what he wants us to do it. Let's do it in the best possible way that we can. Amen? So we're always looking for improvement. All right, number five. Number five was we value unity. Unity. One of the most important things in this house is unity. We find that we are better when we're going the same way, the same direction, at the same time, when, we're, when we are doing things together. Okay? Uh, it's not achieved solely by being in the same physical location at the same time, but by being the same in heart. We have the same mind, okay? This includes our purpose, our goals, our mentality. It, 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 it involves our words, what we say. It, it involves our behavior. If we can be unified 
Just like the rowers, we can go much further and we can do much more. Okay? All right, now Paul, the apostle, wrote to the church at Corinth. The very first chapter in the 10th verse, he said something very powerful. In fact, he used strong words when he said in verse 10, now I plead with you. I plead with you. That's, a, that's strong language. Not, hey, here's a good idea. You guys doing anything this afternoon? You could try this. No, I plead with you. I'm begging you guys. Here's what it is. He said, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. What? That you say the same thing. Why would you tell them that? Because one person's saying this, another person's saying this, they're saying opposite stuff. Okay? Well, I think we ought to do this. Well, I think we ought to do this. Well, I value this. Well, I value, you know, and, and people all have different words, different directions. He said, I'm pleading with you guys. Say the same thing, the same words. This is vital to your success. We are the church, the body of Christ. We're not going different directions, we're going the same direction. He said that there be no divisions among you. Why would he tell them that? Because they had divisions among them. And he's saying that is a problem. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. I think we can see uh, we can see what happens when division sets in. It's not good for anyone. If you've had division in your house, that's tough, right? Uh, we can see what's happening in our country. Division. And how many know if our country doesn't get some things fixed, yikes. As a nation, we're in trouble. It's hard when the media, all they push is division. I mean, that's their main message. Me main message is division. He's like, shut up. <laughs> Could you just say nothing? What's, what's the old uh, message from mom? <laughs> I don't even need to preach it. It's like, <laughs> mom was successful. <laughs> Can we promote her to news anchor or newsroom chief? news editor <laughs> just shut up for a, a few months a year I don't know a day uh, amen <laughs> Satan's chief strategy is division he wants to divide families friendships relationships he wants to divide the church okay and uh, if we know that we're, we're ready for it. We can be on the guard. We can watch for it. Because it, it, where, does that, where does that happen? It's not a physical attack. It's an attack up here where he starts to get us to think differently than we ought to, to think in opposition when we ought to be thinking the same. And if he can get us divided, then we, you know, we're back in the rowboat again, I think. And each person's rowing a different direction. We're just spinning in circles. We're not getting much much accomplished, but uh, division can be outright and blatant, like a real divisive person, and hopefully if we see that, it, whether we see it in the mirror or we see that in a friend, we call it out for what it is, 
and say, listen, we can't go that. We can't do that. This is the enemy's strategy is to divide us. Let's not divide. It seems in our, our day, more and more people can't have two different opinions and still get along. That's silly. We're, I mean, people are never going to agree on 100% of everything. That's, that's not the, 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 the way that we can stay united. But sometimes it's just a lack of intentional behavior. Okay, I know in this house, uh, the Lord has called me, given me the responsibility and the mantle to lead and set direction and say this is, and I do my best to pray, seek God as to what I teach, what I minister, the ministries we have, the direction we're going, and uh, that's, that's my heart. But I'm set up to say that, to direct, and then what, next, what needs to happen next is we have to all do it together. So sometimes the lack of unity is passive. It's not, it doesn't come from someone trying to be a problem. They're not trying to be divisive. They're just not rowing in the same direction. <laughs> They're just sitting in the back reading. <laughs> right. They're just not participating. Everybody okay today? Say, say, say I think you're talking about me. I might be, but I don't know. I'm just saying for us to get the most benefit out of this value, we take it seriously and say, okay, when a word is given, when direction is given, when a focus is set, I'm going to put effort into it. I'm going to pray that way. I'm going to say that. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to talk to other people about it, do the life group thing around it. I'm going to, I'm going to involve myself. I'm going to engage in this so we're all going the same direction because then we do great things for God. Amen. Then the kingdom of God expands and so, and so forth. And so uh, we don't want to emphasize, it's not my desire, it's not my mentality, it's not my philosophy in this house to emphasize the things that we're different in. Okay, I know that's the philosophy of the world. Everyone's all talking about how we're different, how we're different. I want to talk about how we're the same. We have different gifts and we, we value and treasure every different gift and personality and so forth, but I like to value how we're the same. I mean, in, in this regard, uh, God has called us to, the, to a singular focus and purpose, called us to be his own, to share the gospel. Again, I'm going to get into some of that in, in, the, in, the, in the coming weeks, but we value tremendously unity. If we value unity, whenever we see division poking, you know, poking up its ugly head, we step on it. Say, oh, nope, nope, not going to have that in here. In fact, I remember just a few months ago, a couple, couple months ago, whenever that was, it was, it was uh, you know, after we had our, our six weeks of online, and then we were back in, in meeting in person, and, and we were meeting, and, and people were coming back slowly, slowly, and, and the Lord dealt with me, and I shared it with all of you on, on a video that we put out on a Thursday, and, and, and the Lord dealt with me about people being away from each other too long. And he said, uh, he, he, he said, this is how the enemy works. When people are even physically away from the body of Christ for too long of period, the enemy will start to talk to them and sow divisive thoughts and get them to think wrong and start questioning, what are they thinking? What are they doing? And they start undermining, and it happens right up here. Some take offense, right? And so I said that, I told everyone that, and you know, I saw it happen a few times. I thought, well, I did warn you. I did tell you this was gonna come. You know, it's kind of like how, how in the scriptures we see from Jesus, from the apostle Paul and other, others, warning about people falling away in the last days. And you see it happening. 
You see some, even some major leaders falling away saying, I don't know if I even believe in God anymore. It's like, dude, you are a fulfillment of prophecy. That should wake you up just by itself. He said that people would happen, and it's you. When I see that, I think, okay, that's going to happen. I'm going to make sure that that's not me. Amen. I don't want to fall for the enemy's strategies. Psalm 133 in verse 1 uh, tells us, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to, do- to dwell together in unity. This is a value of, in God's heart, in his kingdom. When people are unified, he's saying, that's sweet. It's pleasant. It's enjoyable. But when there's division, ugh, it's not pleasant. It is, uh, you know, how miserable it is to dwell in disarray. In fact, one of the things that it was in Proverbs, Proverbs 6, about there's a list of things that God hates. One of the things in that list is the one who sows discord among brethren and sistren, right? The one who sows discord. God says, I hate that. (laughs) Strong language, Lord. You, You hate it? He said, yeah, I hate that. I hate it when people are divisive. I hate it when they sow discord. So in this house, we see it. Nope. Not allowing it. Not going to do it. Not going to go there. Don't go there. Appear in your own mind. We value unity. Amen. Number six. Number six. Help me, Lord. We value personal growth. We value personal growth. So on an individual level, we believe it's very, very important for us to grow. For you to grow, for me to grow, for all of our leaders to grow, for every person in the church to personally grow. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, uh, it's written here in verse 14 and 15, uh, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And so you and I were created and we have been given a, God has planned something for our lives with growth in mind. And what I mean by that is that in order for you to fulfill his plan to have the best life you could possibly have, It is based on the premise that you would grow. And so if someone receives salvation and they're born again and they're a spiritual baby, there is a great plan for their life. God has amazing things for you, but you will not experience them. You will not achieve anything if you remain in the spiritual nursery. There is growth necessary. Well, I kind of like my life, you know, no responsibilities, and I just kind of like to be the the way I am. Well, you can't stay that way if you're going to fulfill God's will for your life. You have to grow. Growth is necessary, all right? And we know that great benefit comes with growth. If you think about it in the physical realm, children are very limited, but as you grow, you get more freedoms. You can go where you want, when you want. You can travel. You can spend money. You can give. You can, you can do things with growth. If you don't grow, then you're always under someone else's control. 
and their decisions. And so there are great benefits to us in our, in our lives when we grow. Amen. What kind of growth are we talking about? In what area? In all areas. In fact, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And may the God of peace sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, not just your spirit be preserved blameless. You know, you get saved and your spirit is born again. You're made alive in Christ and you're right with God. But he also mentions that, 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 that your, your soul and your body, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. How many think we should grow in that area? We should grow in discipline of our own body. We should grow in our understanding and our knowledge of God and his word. You know, many people live by this creed, and I, I like it, that we should all be continual learners, okay? I think that's true in spiritual things first and foremost. It's also true in other interests in life and in professions and careers. Keep learning. Keep growing. Are you expanding your knowledge of the, of the things that are important in, in life? And so, we want to give attention there, yeah? Growth. It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen just because you're breathing. And sometimes growth is uncomfortable. And sometimes it takes extra effort. You know, I've heard testimonies. People have come to us. Some of them, some of them I think of, come from people who, who went to Life Bible College and saying, I've been a Christian for X number of years and, you know, quite long. And they said, my life has changed. I'm totally a different person now. I never, I couldn't even have imagined all the things I didn't know. I remember when the Lord called me and, 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 and called me to prepare for ministry. I, th I thought I, I thought the same way. I thought I knew a lot. I don't know why I thought that. Because <laughs> I heard a few good messages, I think, about faith. And I thought, I got this. And uh, I remember as I was preparing for ministry and listening to others at times, my jaw dropping to the floor, thinking, not only did I not know that, I didn't even know there was that. <laughs> I never conceived of it. I didn't think I was, I didn't know I was ignorant in that area. I didn't know there was that area. And, and I was stretched and I grew and I thought, no wonder. God had called me to something great. And I'll tell you more in, the, in this series. But he called me to something great, but that had to happen or I would never fulfill it. Amen. There is growth required in all of our lives. And so if we value that, we're going to continually learn, continually grow, continually expand all the days of our lives, then we can fulfill God's plan for our lives. Amen? Amen. And so we value giving attention to our own development. Let me say it this way. Eat, stretch, work out, rest, Wash, rinse, repeat, <laughs> and do that. Spirit, soul, and body. Do it in all areas. Do the right things. And you know, sometimes it's hard, but do it. Push it, and then stretch, and then rest, and then go back and do it again. Spirit, soul, and body, and take care of your being. And say, "Lord, I'm going I'm to be better this year than I was last year." If you are exactly the same as you were 10 years ago, 
Now, if you look the same, maybe that's good. I don't know. <laughs> but if you're exactly the same, as far as your knowledge, your, your walk with God, your ability to be, then you probably miss some good growth opportunities. And you should, I recommend that you value with us personal growth. I am going to grow. I am going to develop. I am going to increase in this area of life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me give you one more. I've got to give it to you fast. Number seven, we value multiplication. We value multiplication. We purposefully expand the kingdom of God. Let me give you a couple of references. Acts chapter 12 and verse 24, it reads, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Okay, how many know when it says the word of God grew, it doesn't mean their Bibles got bigger. <laughs> this is like the one person who says, yeah, the older I get, the more I need the words to grow. <laughs> the word of God is growing. <laughs> now, it didn't mean the word of God grew, but it just mean it, it was spread further. All right, it went out. It was understood and being preached to more people. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Acts 16, 4 and 5. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. I like that. I believe that's God's plan. One reason we value multiplication is because God does. I think it's really, really important to him that there be an increase, that there be multiplication of what he has started. Um, this is not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of those who will be saved. Say, so you, you, you want a large ministry? Not because I want the responsibility of it. No, but because I want heaven to be populated and hell to be plundered. That's it. All right, we don't get to heaven, and get a pat on the back for having the biggest or the best of something. No, I want to. I want to fulfill the will of God, and I want to change the world. Okay, and I can't change the whole world by myself. I'm, but I'm praying. My prayer constantly is, Lord, what's my part in that? It's a big world. It's overwhelming to me to think about how many people die, have died during our message today on the planet. And were they saved? Were they right with God? How can we reach more? How can we? And I can't get the whole world, but I can do what he called us to do and do it with maximum effort, maximum faith and obedience to him. And then it grows. It multiplies. Amen. The, the way I, I believe I'm supposed to do that is, is to help you do it. Again, I'm one person, you're one person, but we can do a lot together. I know when we first started the church, and nobody knew who we were, and why would they? I'm just obeying God and starting a church, and I didn't have any money to advertise. So we'd print out these little cards, you know, like business card invitations, you know, the kind that are pre-perforated. <laughs> we'd run them through the printer and try to line them up right, and then pull them out. <laughs> and I'd go hand them to everyone I could. Everywhere I'd go, hey, you go to church? Hey, new church starting, you know, and I realize that's scary for a lot of people. A new church, oh great, what do they believe, you know, what, what, what are they about? But I'm just trying to increase and grow, give God something to use. And thank God he has blessed it. But now we've got thousands of people who can hand those out. Right. <laughs> and you don't even have to pull them out of the big sheet. <laughs> God has blessed them where we can get them pre-cut. 
But how many know we all do that? We can multiply much faster now and increase more and more and more. And that's the will of God, okay? And it's, it's the reason I believe the Lord wants you to go into the places you are. You go and, and reach people and invite people to come and lead life groups and do outreaches and, uh, and do whatever the Lord puts on your heart. We want to help you do that. But we believe in multiplying. Let's dream big and work hard and keep expanding the kingdom of God. Amen. We value it. We're intentional about it. This church is going to keep growing, and we're going to grow on purpose. We're going to put our hand to the plow and believe God to, to direct us and tell us how to do it and how, when to do it, but we're going to give it, give it our full effort. Amen? Because it's more work. No, I don't need more work, but people around here need Jesus, and so it must grow. Amen? Praise God. We'll come back next week, and I'm going to get into our mission. Amen. Father, thank you for this today. Thank you for your plan.